Welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 204th edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 684th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of March 4th, 2021. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And let's begin this edition of of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Kind of a hodgepodge of potential options for the banner moment for tonight. Uh, one of them could certainly be the IU women's team, who I talked about in the banner moment last week. They won two more games since then, uh, thanks to a couple of uh, big fourth quarter hammer drops on uh, Ohio State and Iowa. Uh, they've now won eight straight games, and that most recent win over Iowa gave them a sweep of the Hawkeyes. Now both men's teams have done that as uh, IU Athletics continues to declare vengeance on Gary Barta. Uh, we had a great interview, I thought, with Scott Dolson on the House of Hoosier podcast with A.J. Guyton. Uh, at the end of it, they really got into a, a little bit. Obviously, A.J. couldn't ask uh, things super specific about the men's program and kind of Dolson's thoughts around that, but I thought his answers to that were interesting and uh, about clearly understanding the criticism and, and feeling that and wanting to win as much as anybody and, and wanting that excellence that he uh, was a part of starting back in his days as a manager. And so I thought that was an interesting listen. I think he came across as definitely having his finger on the pulse of the of the feelings of people about the men's team and there's a little bit of a difference between having your finger on the pulse of that and and totally being able to do something about it from a financial perspective so I think that's a a question that really we'll we'll dive into in the offseason as we go but I thought it was um, some interesting insight from him uh, in terms of his background and uh, would recommend people listening to that and finally uh, you know coach Tonsoni is not on tonight as he is uh, knee deep in in film study for Western's next game in the sectional semifinals which comes up on Friday against Twin Lakes they beat West Lafayette uh, on Wednesday night, I believe it was, 54-39. to 39. They jumped out to a 27-10 lead uh, at the half. And I texted with Coach a little bit after the game, and in typical Coach fashion, there was a lot of uh, – there was excitement, but there was a lot of focus on uh, on what they needed to do better and what they didn't do well in the second half. So uh, they're preparing for that game against Twin Lakes. And that game also uh, marked the end of, uh, of West Lafayette's Coach Dave Wood's uh, career, retiring after 27 years there, coaching a number of players, including our own Jared Morris, uh, Coach Wood did give this quote after the game. You, I'll leave it up to everyone to decide where Jared falls in this. But he said, coaching is not fun when you're coaching turds, and it's a boatload of fun when you're coaching great kids. About 99% of the kids we've had here have been great young men. Again, I'll leave it to everyone to assume which part of that 99% dot, 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 or the 1% dot. Jared falls in. But I think we all know really which part Jared falls in. But I thought it was a good uh, a good comment. I know he's had great things to say about Coach Wood, as has uh, as Coach Tonsoni. So uh, wishing him a, uh, a happy retirement. So with that, I'll introduce uh, my co-host for tonight. To my left... Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle he hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the. Well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. He is Ryan Phillips. Uh, Ryan, Jared implored you in the run sheet here to rant gently as it's been a long season. Uh, no. I'm not going to do that. No, I look, I think we all know after Saturday where we are as a program, where Indiana is as a program, where we are as fans and all that. And and I think that it's, it has been a long season and it was a season we expected to not feel like a long season. And so all I'll say is that I think that we all know where the people on, you know, the regulars on this podcast sit on things and just think that, We've seen the same thing a lot, and there hasn't really been a whole lot of improvement. And so I just don't I, – I wrote it on Twitter. I wrote it in an article. I just don't understand what doing this for another year is going to do with Archie Miller. I, I just – I don't see this team getting tremendously better this offseason. They're going to lose – more than likely going to lose their best player. And they kind of whiffed on some big-time recruits – and they're bringing in Logan Duncan, who's a nice player, but he's not Cody Zeller. He's not going to come in and turn the program around. And so I just think that, you know, that's where we're at heading into a final game on the road at Purdue, a team that Archie Miller has not been able to beat in his tenure. 
and, and and this is it just feels like the season's going to end with a whimper. Uh, I, I hope they prove me wrong and go out and beat Purdue and then can take some teams out in the Big Ten tournament, completely turn this around. But given the patterns we've seen over the last four years, I just don't see that happening. I have no reason to believe, even if they do come up with a big win somewhere, I have no reason to believe they're going to follow it up with with a win after that. And, and uh, that's been an issue for this team and, and for this program over the last four years. So I think that uh, we all know where we're at and we all know what to expect. And, and we've been trained to feel this way. Uh, for a long time, I, I uh, you know, I, I think that loss in, in uh, East Lansing had a, that, that game in East Lansing had a chance to be a big thing for this team, and it, and it wound up being, you know, it wound up turning out how a lot of games this year have turned out, where the team's in a close game late and just wilts and makes bad decisions and can't hit shots and and can't do the things it needs to do, and so we move on and and produce this weekend on the road and. Uh, we'll see what happens after that. But I just get the feeling, and I get the feeling from the fan base, man. I hear from them all. I think a lot of people are just tired of of this merry-go-round. All right, and to my right, making his return to the assembly call, he is the voice of your top 10 Indiana Hoosiers women's basketball team and a soon-to-be sleep-deprived expectant father. He is Greg Murray. Greg, welcome back to the show. And uh, what are your opening thoughts? The women also have Purdue this weekend, so as the uh, women's season gets to uh, start to wind down, we wanted to have you back on and, and kind of talk about their success and where they sit heading into the NCAA tournament. But uh, opening thoughts from you on uh, on how the season's been so far. Odd, I'm sure, but uh, but exciting. Yeah, very exciting. I appreciate you guys having me back. It's an exciting time heading into March. And, you know, with these guys going in, as a, they're a two seed for next week's Big Ten tournament, regardless of what happens in this final game of the regular season. And it's going to be fun, potential to win the tournament in, in Indy next week at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. The men's tournament's obviously coming to Indiana. The women are doing something similar, but going down to the San Antonio area. So they'll go straight from Indy. Hop on a flight, go down to Texas and hoping for a really long road trip. And especially with the way that, you know, the season ended for the for a team that was in the top 20 last year. They brought a core group on the women's side back this year with higher expectations. And and to this point, they've they've more or less lived up to it. It should be a fun, fun month for the women's program. Yeah, absolutely. And we're definitely going to talk uh, more about, you know, kind of how they've been successful this year, but also a, a bit of a look ahead uh, to some of the things you mentioned, both the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament this week. And so uh, as we move forward with the show, we are going to touch on uh, a bit of the the continued struggles for the men's team uh, down the stretch here. I don't know that, as, as Ryan said, there's a whole lot of new ground to cover uh, on that front, which is among the reasons that we wanted to have Greg back on. Uh, and so we'll uh, we'll talk about how Terry Morin and the women are turning in the best season in school history and, and how far they can go once that tournament starts in San Antonio. And then we'll answer your questions, as we always do, all of that coming up on this edition of Assembly Call Radio. And before we do that, let's talk about insulation, specifically superior insulation from our friends at Superior Insulators. They will make your life more comfortable by helping you fix drafty rooms, cold floors, and even excess noise. Plus, their systems help you save money through lower utility bills. More comfort and cost savings? That's a McKenzie Holmes double-double right there. And with winter here, now is the perfect time to invite Brad and his team out to your home or business so they can do for you what they've already done for IU. Yes, the Superior Insulators did all the air barrier systems and spray foam for the new IU Excellence Academy. Brad and his team also worked on the new football locker room, Marching 100 Hall, and many other buildings around campus. Their owner Brad and his team are Hoosiers through and through and damn good at what they do. And check this out. They have a special offer for Assembly Call listeners. You'll get a $50 home field apparel gift card when you call and schedule an appointment in a qualifying area. And the Superior Insulators have four locations covering roughly the southern two-thirds of Indiana plus the northern part of Kentucky. Just tell them the Assembly Call sent you to get your gift card. So go visit insulators.com or just Google Superior Insulation to learn more and schedule your appointment. Then Brad and his team can help you create a healthier, quieter, and more energy-efficient home. That's insulators.com. I-N-S-E-A-L-A-T-O-R-S.com to learn more. And tell them the assembly call sent you to get your $50 home field apparel gift card. All right. So as we turn to the headlines, as uh, IU has now lost four in a row on the men's side of things uh, following the loss at Michigan State uh, on Tuesday. Uh, and I saw the uh, Michigan State game tonight was having roughly the same number of fouls called in it. As the, uh, as the IU game. And at this point, uh, any NCAA tournament hopes feel like they've gone out the window for IU. I, I looked earlier on the bracket matrix as of 
March 3rd, they were in just six of the 131 brackets. And I don't know that, uh, I, I'm not really sure what would compel the six to have them in there, to be honest. Uh, were they who, updated? As somebody who looks at that regularly, there, there are a few, I will say there are a few on there who are, are done more, um, analytically or just like they kind of let a, an algorithm spit out right. who would be in the field. So, uh, I'm, I'm assuming it's something of that, but who knows? Uh, and then the other piece of that, and, and this is the part, Ryan, I really want to get your thoughts on is you're starting to see, uh, some of the, you know, national media talking about Archie being on the hot seat. Jeff Borzello had, uh, listed him in an article and, and he kind of called IU quote, maybe the biggest elephant in the room entering this spring's coaching carousel, uh, Pat Forty threw out Scott Drew's name at some point, and and so, you know, we're going to save deep dives on the coaching position for the off season. But you know, Ryan, as as somebody who's uh, in in the same world as some of the folks talking about these things, either are there things that you're hearing, or or even does the, the the national media picking up some of that talk? Does that indicate anything to you? Just just general thoughts on you know, kind of the way those those articles and other opinions are trending out there. I just like to say this hat arrived about ten minutes ago, so go to thebiglead.com. That's that's why I'm wearing it. Advertising. Uh, I've also got a simple shameless. call on those. Absolutely, so absolutely. I'm, I'm really shameless. just plugging everything I do here. Uh, you know what I've heard and and what's floating around. And and look, you talk to twenty different sources, you're going to get eighteen different opinions, and a couple are going to line up. And what I've heard is that the people at Indiana. Are not I think I think a few months ago everyone thought there's no way there'll be any coaching changes because of the financial situation and all this and and the people in Indiana there there there's no way Archie's getting a fifth year. From what I've heard, that's not necessarily true. I would say odds that that Archie gets a a fifth year are better than they should be because of the situation. But if we were you know if we were in a normal situation, there'd be no question. I don't think I think that they're they're better than they would be in a normal year, but they're not overwhelming as we thought they were a few months ago. I've been told that if, you know, they think that there's a massive upgrade that they can land, there's a chance that things change. And, and, and that doesn't mean that it will happen. That means that the winds are certainly blowing because normally what you hear at this time of year is we're sticking with our coach, no matter what we believe in his vision, all of that stuff. And I'm not saying attributing this to Dolson. I'm not attributing this to anybody directly in the athletic department. I'm just hearing there are lots of whispers and rumors out there that something that seemed about a month and a half ago seemed completely unlikely feels a lot more likely to happen. And and again, that's not even saying it's over 50%, but it's far more likely than it was six weeks ago. And, and I think that people have seen that we've, I think part of it is that we've seen it's a swirling pattern. Things just continue to happen the same way that they happened four years ago when there's disappointment. And, and so I think that the people in power are starting to understand that they can't just keep doing this. Now, that doesn't mean that he doesn't come back. It doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. But there's a lot more chatter about things than there was a, a while ago. And that certainly than there was coming into this offseason, coming into this season. Before this season, I heard a lot of people say that Archie has something to prove, but not if he doesn't prove it, he's going to get let go. I just think there's a lot more chatter now than 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 I probably expected there to be a few months ago. Yeah, Greg, I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about the job Terry Morin's done at IU. And I know this is not by any means an apples to apples comparison in terms of you know, what the expectations were for, you know, when she came in to take over the women's program versus what Archie came into uh, on the men's side based on history and all kinds of other factors. But as you look at the job that, that she and her staff have done, are there certain things that really stand out to you that have allowed them to be so successful when others haven't been able to on the women's side of things here? Yeah, well, I think what you said is is a good way to, I guess, enter this answer is that it is not an apples to apples comparison, different sports, completely different situations, of course. But what's really impressed me with Coach Morin and this staff is just the the steady climb that they've had. They were a game under 500 in, in year one. Tyra Buss and Amanda Cahill became household names when it comes to IU women's basketball. They were freshman when when coach Warren first came on and so they helped build the base of success they got to an NCAA tournament they won the NIT their senior years and then 
the big switch in my mind was that that second big group of recruits when Tyra and Amanda were on their way out and you were able to shuffle in some different players. And now we're seeing Grace Burgers and Allie Patberg and Mackenzie Holmes who are continuing to, to build up the momentum. And, and it's just step after step after step. You know, a few years ago, I remember they went to the NCAA tournament and lost to Notre Dame in round two. And Notre Dame was hosting. They were a one seed. Muffet McGraw, you know, a blue blood program, very, very strong. They lost to them. And I think in a, one of the pregame press conferences or media availabilities, there was talks or a question for Coach Morin of, well, are, are you maybe wanting to – sign up for a non-conference game, get something going with Notre Dame as an in-state foe. And she openly said, you know, we're, we're not ready for that. And now it's at the position where they're ready for anybody. You know, they try and play that tough non-conference schedule. They're as talented as anyone inside the Big Ten, but it's just been a, a steady climb every single year um, that's consistent. And it's not like this is a group of seniors that's all going to move on. It's not a one-hit wonder type deal. They have young talent veteran talent and and it's mixed for a really good group and a a good program yeah they've done a really nice job of integrating some different pieces whether they be transfers and and young players to the point where they've really got enough where at least for the foreseeable future it doesn't feel like there's going to be a drop-off as you lose just a you know transformational class and thing and the bottom drops out and then you kind of start back over it definitely seems like they've uh they've gotten to that point and i think the the steady climb is a good way to uh is a good way to talk about it. So real quick before we take a break, I know, Greg, when we had you on uh, before the season, we were talking a little bit about what it was going to be like to broadcast the games in in this particular season. Uh, just kind of curious to get some quick thoughts on on how odd that's really been and, and how it's uh, worked out overall. Uh, it's been it's been good. It's been good. It's not been great, which, <laughs> which I guess was the expectation. Home games are different without the fans, but just from a broadcast setup, I broadcast with a mask on. Everybody you know, outside of the players have masks on. And, and so that's obviously an adjustment to be screaming into a microphone for two hours with, with a mask on. And then on the road, I'm not traveling. So I have the home studio all set up. It's not exactly where I'm at now, but you know, I have my setup and now my neighbors know all about IU women's basketball from hearing me through the walls. And, you know, I give a lot of credit and have to have to thank, you know, all the video crews and, and people that help set up all the feeds from the different schools some work better than others. Internet is usually good enough. You know, the connection gets a little blurry, but, you know, it gets to a point where you kind of embrace it. When I'm broadcasting games, I always try and at least announce a couple of times that, you know, I can't see everything. I don't know what the officials are looking at the monitor because I can't see what they're, you know, the hand signal. I have no idea what they're doing. Uh, so you're kind of at the mercy of whatever's, uh, you know, on the screen. So it's good enough to, get through this season certainly but at the same time i'm hoping it's not good enough where they don't let me travel when things go back to to being normal again yeah let's uh let's hope so for sure so all right yeah there's got i I have a quick question greg do you feel like you miss some stuff not not being in the arena you know it's so each school does it a little bit differently in the feed that i get sent some of them are just that uh, essentially they're what you see on tv just without the broadcaster so just the raw big screen mm-hmm. others send like a multi-view where it's like three or four camera angles where there's going to be one focused on the bench one follows the individual player and that helps me from being Keep an eye on to, everything yeah that helps me see everything but at the same time i holly i have it on my laptop and i put it on an hdmi up to a video screen but by breaking it up into three or four screens, it's also smaller. So that makes it overall a little tougher to see. So it's it's got its pros and cons. I personally think I can I can see a basketball game good enough just with that one screen. But there are times, you know, just like the the example I use, think just small things here and there that I miss or I can't see. And so I either have to guess or look at the stat monitor, you know, the live stats I have next to me to see what read what happened or something like that. But it's been an adventure. That's for sure. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break here on the assembly call. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk more about the women's team. Uh, the men aren't the only game in town. And as Jared wrote here, thank goodness. So we want to talk more about what's working and how good this team can be as we move forward into postseason play. So stick with us. Sticky notes. 
email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. All right. Welcome, everybody. The thing I've... Mark the time down here. Hang on. Yeah, go ahead, Ryan. Uh, the thing I've noticed about the women's team that impressed me so much is it just feels like every year over the last couple of years, they don't have to have the exact same formula of players like the really the girl who can shoot, the girl who can dribble, the girl who can, you know, it, it feels like it can be any mix and they're making it work, which has been the most impressive thing where with some systems you've got it. If you don't land this recruit, you're probably gonna have it down a couple of years you know, to fit into that system. That's what's been most impressive to me is that they seem to just plug players in and they all work well together, no matter who they've got, where their strengths are. Well, and truly they work, you know, where if someone goes, I don't know, two of 12 from the floor, you know, in previous years or and with a lot of teams around the country, if one of your starters or top guys is shooting like that, you have no prayer of beating anybody, let alone anybody good. And I, you know, Maybe not a top 10 team, but IU's got enough talent around them that somebody else is going to pick up the slack. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems like they're a team in every sense, you know, yeah. and, and they're obviously very well coached. Yeah, they're fun to watch. Coach is not I, – I, we did our weekly talk show earlier tonight. She's not happy about giving up 70-plus in two straight games. They they <laughs> gave up 80 to Iowa yesterday. <laughs> obviously thrilled about the win. That's a, They beat a good Iowa team, but – She's never happy when you give up 80. Yeah, that, fresh, that been, freshman guard for been Iowa was – she was unbelievable. She's in, a monster. She is a monster. That yeah. That was crazy. Uh, this is my seventh year. So, I, I my my first year was Coach Morin's first year. Oh, okay. Yeah. You've had a good run, man. It's <laughs> one of my, So, one of my buddies just got named um, – you know, we have a relationship, but uh, he is now the play-by-play guy for the Padres. And it's like the previous guy had been there for 40 years, 36 of which were terrible seasons of baseball. And then he (laughs) picks up right when they're like competitive. And I was like, there are people in the room who have to hate you, right? Like you just come right in when they've got all these guys. Yeah. It's kind of the same deal with baseball. I hopped over. I I took over the year. So my first year was the year after the World Series year. So it wasn't. You know, perfect timing, but I had that one year with Schwarber, and obviously they've been really, really good the entire time. All bear, all I've been yeah. there, but replacing Jeremy Gray, who I know had a lot of long, long springs at Simbauer Field uh, <laughs> with like ten fans in the seats, the job changed a little bit. Yeah, man, that that new field is awesome. Every time yeah. I drive into town, I'm just like, man, and it's not it's not new anymore. It's been around yeah. for a while, but it's it's still. For those of us who remember that being the intramural fields, it's uh, very different. Yeah, yeah. What's the uh, so what's the what's the quick scouting report on the uh, on the baseball team this year? Saw today, coaches ranked them second or selected them second in the Big Ten. Michigan's the favorite, but I, I they should be able to compete. It's going to be interesting because they're doing conference only and. and oh really? Just, yeah, forty-four games all conference. So like they're going to Minnesota this weekend but they're playing rutgers and minnesota so it's like they're doing like pods it, it, it's bizarre but they're trying to make it happen however they can does minute does minnesota have its own field or they play at target no so they have their own field but actually this weekend they're playing at the viking stadium because it's indoors and they have some oh. sort of trade-off they do this every year that you know it's early March in Minneapolis I'm sure there's still snow everywhere um I've, yeah I've caught games on the Big Ten network where they were at target but i assume that was mm-hmm. a tournament or something yeah they've, they've done it at target field and i think they may do it as maybe a series or two they have a deal with you know with, with the with the twins but i know they have a deal with the vikings to use that facility as an indoor baseball field yeah but that's cool. uh yeah that's where they'll be to that tomorrow makes a lot of Got sense. A double header tomorrow that makes a lot of sense yes yeah. uh... <laughs> anything to get inside yeah yeah, right. I'm driving to I'm driving just just to Columbus for a couple of soccer games for my daughter on Sunday, and 
I'm already saying that's like we don't need to be going north. Why are we going north at this time of year? Why aren't we? Why aren't we driving somewhere south? If we're going to play. So, who designed uh, the weather? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, all right, cool. Well, we'll uh, here in about ten seconds. We'll uh, we'll start the next segment and uh, and dig into more on the uh, women's team. Yeah, start with that. I've got to listen to something for work real quick. Okay, you're good. All right, I'm gonna start here in five seconds. So you're good. This is Verdell Jones. What's better than an epic buzzer beater? The full court dribble and perfectly placed pass to set it all up. And of course, celebrating with Hoosier Nation afterwards. So join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content over at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcasts or watch those replays and see all the between-segment banter that tonight uh, gave at least a quick uh, discussion of the IU baseball team, then check out our YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and the voice of the women's basketball team, Greg Murray. And uh, wanted to wanted to talk and get a little bit in-depth on the women's team and, and how things have gone. So just to set the table for everybody, if you haven't been uh, following closely, they're currently 15-2 and two in the Big Ten, which puts them in second place behind Maryland, who is 16-1. and one. Uh, IU season finale comes on Saturday at home against uh, Purdue, while Maryland finishes versus Penn State on Saturday. IU is locked into the two-seed for the Big Ten tournament based on uh, tiebreakers. They only played Maryland once and lost to them. But they do have a chance if Maryland would surprisingly lose to Penn State and IU would beat Purdue to uh, get a share of the Big Ten title. Uh, and regardless, has been a, just a tremendously successful season uh, for them. So, uh, so Greg, just you know, kind of high, you know, high level thoughts, you know, what, what components of this team have allowed them to be so successful really from start to finish this season? Well, I think with Terry Morin, you know, she prides herself on the defensive end. So that's where you start every year with Indiana, but they've cranked it up on that end. They're giving up about 60 points a game, which is second in the league. And I think top 15 nationally, Offensively, and and I guess just overall, anybody on the floor at any given time can beat you. Allie Patberg was my preseason pick for player of the year in the league, and uh, although maybe she hasn't been up to those expectations per se, she's been of all-conference status, and I mean, a sixth-year senior running point is typically going to be a pretty good thing, um, just running the show and things like that. Mackenzie Holmes down in the post as a sophomore is averaging about 18 and nine something like that she's had a phenomenal year just making that leap from freshman year to sophomore year and then I think in in most cases Grace Berger is uh, probably the most talented player on the floor at any given time just her ability to create her own shot and score at at the mid-range level get to the basket she can occasionally shoot the three not a huge part of her game but I I think just she can do things that not many other players on the floor can do. Um, and so you have some role players in Nicole Cardano Hillary, who's really stepped up of late. Alexa Goulbay's done a really nice role in the post as well. And you just have a complete package that, um, you know, they, they're playing well right now, playing hot at the right time. They've won eight in a row. Um, Purdue can make it nine on Saturday and a, and a team that they've, they've beaten quite often of late. They've, they've dominated that series over the last few years, which is always great to see. And, uh, you know, playing well headed into the postseason. So is there a player or an aspect of the team that has been the biggest surprise to you based on expectations heading into the season versus what you've actually seen? I, th- I would say one of the few surprises, because this is a team that returned quite a bit from last year and you kind of knew what you were going to get, just the expectation that the, the level of play would be a little bit higher. I would say the surprise over the last month has been Nicole Cardano Hillary, who is a transfer out of George Mason, um, came on this year. This is her first season and was granted immediate eligibility on that blanket eligibility rule that came out about Christmas time. So Jalen Penn, who is a four-year starter, this being her fourth year, decided to opt out six or seven games ago for the rest of the season. And so Nicole had to step off the bench and into that starter's role. And she's averaged about 13 points per game since that time. Her three balls starting to fall a little bit more consistently. 
Uh, her defense, she's an absolute pest. She's one of those. The first person that comes to mind is Aaron Kraft, as far as the person that you love to have on your team, but you just can't stand them if you're up against them. She's that type of player defensively as far as just being in everybody's face all the time and, and just a just a pain to deal with. Um, so truly in the last month, you know, you lose Jalen Penn as a veteran starter. You maybe expect the team to take a step back. And if anything, I think they played it certainly as well, if not even better, just gelling and playing well all together and, and playing well at the right time. So I'd say that's one of the, I guess the surprise was just with that adversity that came in that Nicole was able to fill in so nicely. Yeah, and she, for her size, has posted a few big uh, rebounding numbers, which is which is pretty surprising. But she is uh, always in the mix. It feels like whenever I whenever I have the games on. So, I think yeah, five uh, foot six. She had a, a I think nineteen rebounds her last two games before yesterday. So she's yeah. she's a grinder out there. Absolutely. Um, so I, I'm going to give credit where credit is due here. Uh, Ari Schifron, who uh, does a number of different things for us at the site, had put some questions in here. So he made my job a little bit easier uh, with some of these. So I'm going to hit a handful of these. We likely won't have a chance to get to all of them. But um, yeah, you talked about Jalen Penn opting out and and, uh, and and kind of what that has meant for the team. Depth is probably, if anything, with this team, the biggest concern. They play the, the, five, the starting five uh, at this point is – uh, among the best starting fives that anybody has, but there's not a ton of uh, at least consistent contributors coming off the bench. Um, is, is there anybody that, you know, how big of a concern do you see that as? And, and are there any players that, that maybe could surprise people and really step up when they're called upon uh, as they invariably will be due to either foul trouble or, or who knows what else as, as you head into the tournament play? Yeah, I mean, foul trouble, injuries, uh, a variety of things obviously can factor in. And I think it's, it's there. I don't know if it's a concern, but it, it's there. It's noticeable. And so you have players coming off the bench. Yesterday was a prime example. Uh, I mentioned Nicole Cardano-Hillary and her defense. She got two fouls in the first two and a half minutes of the first quarter and had to sit for a good portion of the first half. And so after that, you had like a variety of players, freshmen and guard and Chloe Moore McNeil. You have a senior in Kiana Warthen. It, it's more of by committee just to almost – fill time until you can get the starters back on terry morin's now in her seventh season and has never had at least played the way with with a really deep team you know even back to the tyra bus played i mean all 40 minutes it seemed like most games amanda cahill played like 38 and so that, that was just the way that the roster was structured and so you know ideally obviously you'd want to go a little deeper and play eight maybe even nine consistently, but I, I feel like the bench comes off with very important minutes. Keandra Brown for one of the posts, Grace Wagner's very uh, versatile um, on the defensive end. They rely on her, but I think it's more filling spots when Indiana's main contributors need a break on the offensive end. And coach Morin has been very open with, especially the reserves. They bring them on for defense because they have enough scores on the floor come on, do your role on defense and, and the offense will take care of itself. Yeah. It's uh, it, it was, it was interesting. That was one of the, I think one of the IU, maybe it was assembly call radio at some point, you know, I, I went back through one of the games, I think it was the Ohio state game and, and just kind of went through the minutes played of the, of the starters. It was crazy. What What is even more amazing about that. in, in some of these cases to me is in that Ohio state game, as an example, they played some of their best basketball in the fourth quarter when you would think they would be just completely exhausted um, from how many minutes they'd already played. and um, But instead, they seemed to get get stronger, and I think you could argue the same thing against Iowa, although I think they were able to sub a little bit more um, throughout in that one. Um, so Mackenzie Holmes, you, you mentioned her before. She's, uh, I think you're right, about 18 and 8, 18 and 9, something around that, about three blocks a game, I think, if I'm uh, remembering mm -hmm. correctly from, from looking at the stats. I mean, just talk a little bit about her development as a sophomore and uh, and and what she's been able to add to her game and, and really build on uh, from a really successful freshman season into a uh, an extremely successful um, second season at IU. Yeah, I mean, I think she's got first team all conference in her future whenever that's released here in the next week. Um, she came onto campus and even as more of the sixth player role last year. Um, she's kind of taken Brenna Wise's starting spot who graduated last year. But even when she was first getting on the floor, her footwork and her ability to remain patient in the paint, 
make sure she's doing the right thing. It, it, some of those things that I'm sure have, were taught very, very early on in her basketball game, but she had those skills coming on campus and has now just been able to continue to improve them and hone that craft. She improved her body tremendously from a conditioning standpoint. Um, in her off season in, in Maine, you know, in the middle of COVID, there's a video out there. I think she put it on social media of her shooting buckets on the driveway and like snow is everywhere because it just snows most of the time in Maine, um, but comes back and with high expectations, she's, she's battling the, the reputation of now that everybody knows how good she can be. Every time she gets the ball, she's never in a one-on-one -on -one situation. I mean, it's always two, three defenders draped on her. So she went through a very, very brief slump, if you will, once those d defenders really started to come on. But now you're seeing the adjustments on her end of being able to pass out of it or move around the double team and things like that. So she's a really intelligent player, obviously very skilled um, but just adds so much to what Indiana can do. The Hoosiers had 56 points in the paint yesterday against Iowa. And, and I mean, McKen she went to work against one of the better posts in the league in, in Monica Zanano for Iowa, um, just dominated yesterday. So, Greg, you said at the beginning of the year you thought Ali Patberg would potentially be the conference player of the year. We've seen Grace Berger get a lot of headlines for her play. McKenzie Holmes has gotten so much better. Who do you think is the MVP of this team if you had to pick one? I know it's a team and everybody contributes, but you got to pick one. Giving you a vote here, who, who do you think has been the MVP this year? I think just by definition of most valuable player, who is the most you know valued person. If Indiana is going to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, who's got to play well? And it, it comes down to Allie Patberg. So in a way, I think she's most important player. I think – the most talented player is Grace Berger, just with her ability to – she's got three triple-doubles this season, the only three in women's basketball history at Indiana and the only player in women's college basketball with, with more than one. And Mackenzie Holmes, I think, is just such a difference maker in the post with her ability. So I'm going to go with Grace Berger. We'll call her MVP, but I'm going to give Mackenzie Holmes with the best season – and Ali Patberg, the most important player. That How's was that an cop out. Incredibly Man. diplomatic answer. I I love it. I I think it's great. I'm I'm all in on this. Follow Greg for uh, for his political career. You're muted, we, Andy. Uh, yeah, make sure everyone to follow Greg's political career as we move forward. That was uh, that was a real springboard into that uh, that arena. I think. So that was it. Um, so as we as we look forward to the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, IU was a third seed in the latest bracketology from ESPN, which came out on Tuesday. They were 12th overall in the top 16 reveal, which on the women's side, they've been doing more frequently. That was from uh, February 28th. They were the 12th overall, so the last um, three seed there. Uh, you know, Greg, thoughts on what IU's ceiling is from a tournament perspective? Can they get up to a two seed with, a, a you know, certainly beating Purdue and then a deep uh, Big Ten tournament run or, or some of the teams in front of them, maybe that's too many teams to have to jump to to be able to get up to that two line. Yeah, I think it's possible just with the, the route maybe going deep in the Big Ten tournament, you're probably looking at either Rutgers or Michigan, which are both going to be 15 to 20 as far as their national ranking. You'll see them in the semifinals and then barring something very surprising. Uh, you'll see Maryland in the championship game, who by those same rankings that had Indiana number 12, Maryland was number six. So best case scenario, if you run the table in the tournament, win that, I could see you sneaking up to that two line. Um, I think a few other teams maybe in front of Indiana have lost since then, since those rankings came out. And uh, Indiana has that win over Iowa since that time. So We'll see. I think by the time the tournament comes around next week, uh, not that it directly affects Indiana, but it's interesting because a lot of the women's tournaments are being played this week. Like the SEC tournament's already gotten underway. A lot of them, with the exception of the Big Ten, because normally the women's tournament's a week before. So normally it would be this week, but the Big Ten's doing something different this year. So they'll kind of know maybe we'll have a better idea going into the big 10 tournament to say, okay, we win this, you know, we've got a real shot to be, to be a two seed. Um, but I think it's possible. I think the ceiling's definitely there. They lost to Maryland by four on the road. They've lost four games all year. Um, and they're all by single digits to top 20 teams. So 
They've beaten everybody they're supposed to. They've gotten a nice couple of wins, especially uh, lately the last month during this win streak with Michigan and Ohio State and beating Iowa twice. Um, they gave Maryland a nice early spot. Uh, they they were down 10 nothing, I think a minute and a half into the game when the one time that they played Maryland, you take that small section out, you're right there in the game. So they can beat anybody. Um, they know that. They're confident, but uh, – it's obviously going to be much more easier said than done. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, certainly looking forward to the Big Ten tournament and uh, and seeing uh, hopefully a deep run uh, for them in that event, getting to to face Maryland. And that's at that point, if you get to that game, you've picked up another couple of good wins when you're there, and it's really a loss to a team that's played that well. Doesn't hurt you. Uh, so I think that kind of becomes a, a win-win if they can uh, if they can make it that far. So we'll see. It'll certainly test the depth that we talked about before, but uh, looking forward to uh, to seeing how they perform. So coming up here in our third segment, we're going to answer your questions, including one about which IU silhouette would be chosen if the Hoosiers had an NBA-style logo. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. All right. So. I like that question, but I think the answer is pretty easy. Which one? Oh, the silhouette. The, the silhouette. Come on now. So that's a total. Doing some math here on time. We have always fun. More time than. <laughs> yeah, we have more time than normal for questions, but I figured that would be good because we seem to get a lot of questions this week. If I'm thinking this correctly so we've got to get how many are coaching related uh not as <laughs> i i tended to bump some of those to toward the bottom uh i and i don't even okay. know if jared uh posted some of those in there to be to be honest with you so um let's see so we got another 405 plus nine. this is so exciting to sit here and watch me try to figure this out like an idiot uh all right 13 <laughs> All right. Yeah, we got about 13 and a half minutes for questions. We have a lot of questions. Wow, so we that's can, a lot. We can uh, explore as much of them as we need to. But they're, uh, yeah, like I said, we got, although we did ask Richie's question about the about that one, so we can get rid of that. But, yeah, we got, we, we've got a number. We can kind of explore whatever we want to on here. And there's also other questions we can circle back to on the, the women's yep. side if we want to. So I think we're good there. Uh, let me see. Yeah, we can... Let's see, that's good. So, do they plan to uh, to release another top sixteen before the actual tournament, or are they not? I don't was think that so. kind of last one. No. I, I assume not, but but at least to your point, you yeah, because they've some been of the ones in front of them they, and see who lost but with all these other conference tournaments happening. So, yeah, I was watching the, the Maryland played at noon today. Um, I was watching their women's game on on BTN, and they brought that up because Maryland's in a similar spot to IU, but thinking maybe a one seed versus mm -hmm. IU jumping from a three to a two. Yeah. Um, I guess I never even realized because I, I knew the women obviously played a week before the men, but I didn't realize that everybody was playing with the exception of the Big Ten. Everybody else is on a normal schedule, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Um, start here. Let me look back at this again. All right, I'm going to start here in about 15 seconds. And get to the 50s. Yeah, all right. What's up, y'all? It's Devontae Green, giving you the green light to watch Assembly Call after every IU game. Just don't listen to their opinions about shot selection. 
Remember, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Go Hoosiers. And welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and Greg Murray. And remember, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed postgame analysis. So just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. It's now time for our mailbag. All questions, as always, were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about at assemblycall.com slash community. All right, so we left a bunch of time for questions, and because uh, we got a bunch of good ones, so we'll uh, we'll just kind of roll through as many of these as we can here in the next you know twelve minutes or so, and, and go from there. So the first one comes from Patrick. If there was an IU basketball style NBA logo, which IU basketball player should make the silhouette? Uh, he threw out Smart's championship shot, Steve Alford, or others. Ryan, you said this was an easy answer, so I will throw it to you first. It's Calvert Cheney shooting jump shot. Come on now. I think that's an obvious one. I, I could see Alford shooting a jumper too, but Calvert is that guy who is just beloved by everybody. You know, there's nobody who says, like, yeah, I liked Calvert, but he's not my favorite. Like, everybody loves Calvert Cheney. I think that, and, you know, with everything he did at the university and everything he accomplished, I think that's an obvious one. Uh, what about you? What, I mean, what are your options? What are other options, Andy? What am I missing? I assumed you would go with the Killingsworth dunk. So I was disappointed. Well, that, that could, I, uh, you know, that would be if they made the logo specifically for me. It's that or like the Moye block. Like those yeah. are the two for specifically yeah. tailored to Ryan Phillips. Can yeah, I they, say that that Killingsworth dunk was also my first thought? That was like I when I saw the question, it's like that's the first thing that popped in my mind. That was my first ever college basketball game that I went to live as a kid. Wow. And I don't know that I've been in, in an environment that's beaten that since then. But See? that moment, that moment. <laughs> That's well, the first that was, thing so, I thought of. So, Greg, that was my senior year at IU, and I was covering the team and on the floor when it happened. It was un- it's unbelievable. We, unbelievable. If, if people who were there know what we're talking about. People who weren't don't get it. They don't get it. Way up into the rafters and below the balcony, way up top, I the, my eyes opened up wide to what college basketball actually is. And look what that your night. profession is now. That's right. It's, I can thank Marco Killingsworth for where I'm at. Absolutely. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I lean toward the Cheney one just with him kind of rising up for that lefty jump shot. Um, yeah. So I, I tended to fall there. I, I think the the Moye block would be interesting, although it's kind of odd. You, you almost want it to be a singular player, not not two guys in the logo. So I sure. I kind yeah, of, yeah, I kind yeah. of eliminated that one based solely on that. But if you're thinking, you know, iconic moments, then you could also think watch shot. But I think Calvert just the. Uh, I think that felt like the answer to me. That was my initial gut reaction when I got it. So I'm going to watch out. Uh, no, the, the Cheney, or, or Cheney. Cheney. Yeah, yeah. It's Cheney so. or the watch. I could see the watch out too. Just a rub it in Kentucky's face. Yeah. I'll, I'll stick with that. Uh, all right. This one is from Kathy. Uh, this, uh, another question for Greg. So how far, obviously tough to do. You haven't seen a bracket, anything like that. Um, but you know, how far do you predict the, the women can go in both the big 10 and the NCAA tournament? For Big Ten tournament, I, I mean, I, I see no reason why they can't go go to the final. Um, you know, they've beaten Michigan, who would be, I believe, the three seed, maybe Rutgers, who they haven't seen, but I think they're they're better than both those teams and playing the way they are. I think they could get to the weekend and play what we can assume will be Maryland in the title game, maybe a, a toss-up on if they can beat Maryland. Uh, they've never beaten them in program history, so we'll see. Um, so we'll call it to the title game there, and – NCAA tournaments, it's going to be so different in the women's side because typical years, the top 16 seeds, which Indiana would be one, would host the opening weekend. So they would have, I mean, just a huge advantage to be able to play at Assembly Hall and, uh, you know, against a double digit seed and then maybe like a four or a five in the, in the second round. Now you're all going to be on a neutral site where it's a little bit more even, but you know, we'll call it Sweet 16, Elite Eight. I see no reason why they can't, you know, live up to where, call it, their seating is. And then, you know, we've seen this team these last few years been able to beat just about anybody in the country. They took down number one South Carolina uh, last year in the non-conference, um, which was just a, a monumental win for the program. So I know they can believe they're, they believe they can beat anybody, um, but it's about, you know, execution. When, it, when you get to play in the big boys and uh, 
I, I see second weekend, but but certainly with a chance to make it even deeper than that. All right, this one is from Max, and this is about they they came out with some um, details, I guess, about the NIT, which is only going to be sixteen teams, I believe, this year is going to take place in Dallas. Um, and so this one was, would you prefer IU play in or sit out the NIT? Basically, weighing how depressing another NIT trip would be versus getting the freshman uh, like Lander more playing time. Uh, he added, I can't imagine watching it either way, though. Ryan, where where would you come down on this? Jared is all for this because it's in Dallas and you can do whatever you want in Texas these days. So uh, if Jared <laughs> was so inclined, he could go to the games. Uh, but Ryan, what are your what are your thoughts on what IU should do if they get end up in that position? I, I think you have to go and, and you have to get your young guys playing time. You know, and 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 a chance to play some teams outside your conference for the first time, and you know, you didn't get to play many of them this year at all. And I think it's just a chance to get more experience for some of those guys. Maybe play Christian Lander some more, uh, Geronimo, Leal, and Galloway, and get them, you know, some extra experience. I think you have to. I don't think you can turn it down. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think it. it... It has more benefit. I think some of the, the arguments against doing it in the past were: Do you want to have games at a you know partially empty assembly hall? Do you want to you know turning down the home game the one year things like that? You you're not faced with that this year when you don't have those factors into the equation. Like it can truly just be about what it means from a basketball development standpoint. And in that case, it feels like you should do it. What what you get once you get there and things like that is is to be determined. You know, Greg, I, I'd kind of throw this to you with this frame around it the the women's nit that tyra bus and amanda cahill were able to win in their final season again this is not an apples to apples comparison by any means but but what do you think that meant not necessarily even just from a player development standpoint but from a program standpoint in their situation of being able to go through do that win it um you know how much do you think that's been a part of the success they've really been able to build over the seasons uh subsequent to that one i think the biggest thing from that season um was the ability to gain a different fan base, um, you know, playing in the NIT and how big it is. I mean, it, you're playing, I think, I want to say the championship game was either the 31st of March or maybe even the first couple of days of April. I mean, it was like a day before the final four. And so by then, not many teams are playing basketball, whether it's NCAA or not. Um, and, I mean, in Bloomington, the fans were coming in droves every round. They played the entire tournament at Assembly Hall. Indiana hosted every round and 13,000, which, you know, isn't a sellout at the hall. But for a women's basketball game, that's unheard of. Um, and I mean, the atmosphere was was so unique and so cool to see the support for the program. And I, and I really think it did. It worked so many wonders to. One, send Tyra Buss and Amanda Cahill out with wins because not many players get to do that. So that was, I think, the a lot of the motivation inside the program was to go out and win it because teams with motivation and NIT, it, it you know, everybody it reacts a little bit differently. But I think the fan support as the program was building to be able to win the NIT, come back, they made the NCAA tournament after that and, and have continued to go up and up since. Um, that was a huge year. It I know they wanted to win the NCAA or the, to make the NCAA tournament that year. They fell a little short of those expectations, but took advantage of the of the situation. They won it, and and I think are very thankful that it turned out as it did. Uh, here's one from Kurt. Much has been made about guard play this season. How would you define guard play, given the different roles? What are the specifics used to judge if guard play is is great or not? Um, Ryan, I'll let you uh, I'll let you take that one first. Thanks. Uh, I, I think just the ability to get the team into things and run them and and feel confident that they know what they're doing on offense. I mean, how many times have we seen a guard go up the court and look immediately to the sideline to figure out what are we running? Uh, also, the ability to drive, the ability to find open players, the ability to get to the basket off the bounce and the ability to knock down shots. I think you need all of those things to have great guard play. And of course, the defensive end is important, but I think that where Indiana has really suffered has been the ability to do things on offense that change a game, that that alter the way a defense guards them instead of just dribble handoff and then hope that Trace Jackson Davis does something. You've got to have consistent guard play from top to bottom in the Big Ten. It's that tough a conference. And there's just really nobody on this team right now who can off the bounce go by somebody and get a bucket. 
consistently. And there's nobody who is consistently knocking down shots. And those are the two things that guards are supposed to be able to do. On top of that, obviously, there's the mental part of running the offense and getting guys where they're supposed to be. And, you know, feeding the posts consistently and things like that. We just haven't seen consistency in any of those areas from Indiana's guards this year. Yeah, I think for me, the consistency is a big piece. And I think the the pace uh, of, of being able to really get, get out and get the team, not also what you said of, you know, getting into sets quickly and doing those things, but also being able to like push the ball off the floor and try to get easy opportunities, especially on a team that, that struggles uh, at times for stretches in the half court to be able to make shots. When the team plays with a little bit of pace, as they did at times in the Michigan State game, those were the times that the offense seemed to flow the best and and also is what can make defenses uncomfortable. And I think we've talked about that on both ends of the floor is too often IU isn't making the defense uncomfortable by really trying to to push the issue. And on the flip side, they're letting them the other the opponent get comfortable um, by by not really getting into people enough defensively and and some of those kinds of things. So you know you know Greg for a, the IU women's team. Uh, a guard, you know, kind of guard heavy uh, attack as well. If you think about the the trio of Pat Berg, Berger, and Cardano Hillary, um, you know, what what I guess how do you define that, and and maybe how how you define good guard play, and how the, those three of late have really exemplified that. Well, I think it starts with running the offense and knowing the offense. I mean, it's you know, you're you're running the ball. I mean, you have the ball in your hands nearly every possession. The offense starts with you and and when i had the question earlier of who the mvp of the season is that's why i fall back to you know a sixth year senior point guard in ali patberg because she is the engine that makes this go um and if she doesn't play well the team doesn't play well the team's not going to win if ali patberg doesn't show up to play so i think it's the most important position and and experience is a big factor um, and when you can have multiple players that can run the position, beat people off the bounce, go score and do a lot of different things, um, I, it, it can't be overstated the importance of that position. All right, Ryan, I'll throw you one more. We got about a minute left here. Um, and we didn't get your thoughts after the Michigan State game. You weren't on. So Jeff wrote, good to see Lander and Finnessy on the floor at the same time for a while. Uh, what are what do you see as strengths and weaknesses of them playing together? And is that something that we might see a little bit more of in however many games are left of the season? So I know I'm throwing that to you with about 30 seconds, but thoughts on what you saw from those two guys playing playing together? Well, I think that Lander is so much more aggressive than Finnessy consistently. I mean, Finnessy showed some aggression the other night and, and looked to be much more locked in than usual. But I think that Lander's ability to drive into the heart of the defense and, and while he has struggled to finish, he's at least willing to do it, kind of balances the fact that Finnessy is typically a little bit more meek in that area. Um, I Obviously, this all depends on whether Finnessy can become consistent. And so I don't know if we want to see those two together because I think that, you know, one, they've both been very inconsistent throughout That's it. this We're season. done. No more questions. All right. Well, that'll do it for the show. I get to have Ryan interrupt himself, so that's always good. Uh, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again on Saturday after IU Purdue. Until then. Take it from me, Robert Johnson. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. All right. Sorry, Ryan. I know I put you in a tough spot. Uh, that's not, not that's not fine. It was a, kind of a, it had to be a long answer to that one, but I would, you can finish finish now. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say that. I think that they're both so inconsistent. I mean, Landers inconsistent because he's too young to be in the big 10 right now. We all know that. Um, but there are consistency issues with both. And so it's hard to sort of be, excited about them both being on the floor because you're constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop. And uh, I, I think that, that Rob played better against Michigan State. I am not confident we'll see that in the next game, though, because he's just so up and down and back and forth and, and all over the place. So, um, look, next year, if everybody's back, we'll just assume everybody's back. They're going to have to play together a lot, and it would almost certainly have to be Rob coming off the ball and not commanding the offense and Lander leading it because that's what Lander does for you 
is the ability to get up the floor quickly, something that guys on the rest of this team don't really do very well. Get up the floor quickly, get you into your offense, cut, you know, get into the lane, find guys, throw, you know, passes that nobody else on this team can throw. And it would have to be fantasy setting up off screens and stuff. And you know, Parker Stewart's probably going to be, I, I would like to see the guys I would love to see together. And I know Parker's not going to play this year, but the thing I would like to see is, is Parker Stewart and Lander playing together because Stewart could go hunt shots while Lander carved up a defense and looked for him. And I think that is the pairing that I think really complements each other. Well, out of the guys on the roster currently. Yeah. I do think it was, it was interesting playing those guys together. We've talked about Rob Kevin. Better now than during the show, I suppose. But um, <laughs> the uh, yeah, it, we we talked about it, and after the show, I think it does at least give Rob a chance to do some of what he does best. He didn't really shoot well from a spot up standpoint there, but he has rated out well in some of those areas as he's um, you know over the course of his career. So there's probably a you know maybe a component of that takes a little bit of the pressure off him and gets back to a little bit of the pace stuff that I that I talked about earlier. But um, yeah, I don't know. There's there's enough season left to to know whether experimenting a whole lot more with that is worthwhile or not. Um, so I'm going to hit one more for both of you guys, and then we can uh, we can wrap up here. So this one's from Lee. What is the reason for shooting the shooting discrepancy between high school and college? Most of the IU team were scorers in high school. Is it defense, maturity, strength, strength training? Uh, he even threw out basketball gods hating IU. Um, I, could be that. <laughs> could be could be that. Greg, I don't know if you have any thoughts on, on that, just kind of the translation of – of that particular skill from high school to college and what, what you think may lead to some rough transitions at times for players. I think a lot of it with, I mean, obviously it's different with every player and, but from a mental capacity, I think catching up to the speed of the game is so critical to, you know, the, these players that come in into a big 10 program, they shoot thousands of shots there. It's not like they're not talented players, but they're probably much more accustomed to being able to either get to the rim or shoot whenever, wherever. And now all of a sudden you have players that are probably, you know, maybe not always for freshmen, but say when you step out on the floor as a freshman, there's a good chance that six or seven other players on the floor are better than you are and faster than you are and maybe more skilled at certain pieces than you are. And so I think it's so much of, everything's moving so quickly that you got to catch up. And if you're in a rush, maybe you're rushing your shot and things like that. So I feel like the adjustment of the speed of the game has a lot to do with it, but I mean, it could be hands to the face that they're just not used to deep, you know, defenders against them. It could be a lot of things, but I guess the speed was what I thought of first. Yeah. I think it's speed and size. I think, I think the fact that people closing out to you are also more athletic than what you faced in high school, and there's more of a chance to get your shot blocked. I think people rush their shots way too much. And, and I, you know, I get it. It's, it's getting used to the pace. I mean, you even saw it with uh, Anthony Leal early in the year. He was rushing everything. That guy's a shooter. He can knock down shots, and he was just rushing because you see that guy over there is 6'5 and has length as opposed to the guys you were facing in high school who are six foot and maybe have a little bit of athleticism. So I think that's a lot of it. I think guys get in their own head about it. I also think just playing at the next level, you rush everything. You rush your cuts a little bit. You rush your passes. You rush your dribble. That's why guys dribble it off. You see freshmen dribble it off their legs, something they never do their entire lives, and then they get to college and they start doing things like dribbling off their legs or jumping in the air and passing and you know things like that that they know not to do, but they do because they get ahead of themselves. So I think that's the big change for me. Also, just the competition level is better. The defense is better. You're not getting 10 feet between when you and a few seconds between when you catch the ball to set up for your shot and launch it you're getting three feet and a couple you know like milliseconds to set yourself so i just think that all of that factors in and i think guys you know get in their own head about it as well more than maybe they do in high school because let's be real it games mean more the higher up you go yep all right cool well i think that hit most of the uh most of the questions so we'll if we got a couple others to carry over there were some coaching ones that i don't know that makes a ton of sense to get into so i think we uh we hit the high points for sure so greg appreciate you uh joining us again best of luck with uh the new little one coming do you guys know yeah, man boy yeah. or girl or do you not know yeah a little, a little boy and i've seen it in the chat 
uh, I know we mentioned it at the beginning. There is not a child currently in this crib behind me. <laughs> coming, coming soon. But We'd know sure. if there was, people. Come on. Uh, yeah, just right over there. He just wanted to tune into assembly call with me. That would be the no, gutsiest little, move little that anyone could make uh, is broadcasting, yeah. is trying to do any kind of recording with a child in a crib behind them. So. I would, yeah, I would have, yeah. I would have even more respect for you if you had even attempted that. But I think you'll learn quickly that is, uh, that is not the best idea. <laughs> yeah, two uh, babies due in under two weeks, so we're in the in that realm, and I'm hoping it can be spaced out around these women's games. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. Good well, luck, best of man. luck. I hope. The, yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, I hope for one of the potentially the only times in this in this young man's life they listen to your what you want and come at a time that does not interfere with the games and then you can you can go from there i can wish i'm not you know i'm not confident but we'll see i'm Absol- trying absolutely all right well uh yeah. best of luck with with that to you and your uh and your family and mm-hmm. uh enjoy the rest of the women's games and thanks again for coming on appreciate it i i appreciate yeah. it guys thanks have a great night buddy. all right no problem thanks chat mob we'll uh see you guys on saturday are you going to be here, Andy? Uh, I am not. Uh, I don't know okay. who is. Um, I don't either. But I am not. So I'm not really. Okay. I'm not really. I'm not really sure. We'll figure. We'll figure it out. Someone will be here. We'll get that part figured out. But uh, it will not be right. me, at least at this point, unless something changes with my schedule. So. All right, guys. Later. Cool. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home Yes, cool Or attending one live You can do more without spending more Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability As measured by Ookla LLC in the US to H2023 Results may vary, not an endorsement, other restrictions apply